你这这是什么颜色的？蓝色。那你说蓝色，它能和你这个一样吗<笑> ？From the Times of North Lusiana and NWI.com/podcast, you're listening to another installment of Byline, the podcast that covers the newspaper's most fascinating stories and the reporters who tell them. I'm Kale Wilk. I'm Andrew Jones. And this week's episode centers on one boy's story to find a permanent home. And they were still, at that point, uncertain about what his future would be like. And we'll find out just how important stories of adoptions are to this region and the state. Our General Assembly, in a bipartisan way, has enacted legislation that makes our laws straightforward in terms of what's required in an, in an adoption. It was the winter holiday season, and a friend was visiting Lexeterborg. And it was a, it was somewhere between Christmas and New Year's. This is Mark Chase, and he's the reporter that observed this visit.、Uh, the little girl,、uh, for the first several months, I believe,、uh, would cry herself to sleep at night, missing this little boy that she'd formed this friendship with.、Uh, and so. Uh, the mom、uh, last winter、uh, began considering and, and ultimately decided to、uh, participate in this hosting program. I think the the hearts of the Turborgs were very heavy in the time that I was visiting because they knew within a few days they were going to be taking him back to the airport, and they were still at that point uncertain about what his future would be like. So, maybe you're asking yourself, why is Mark reporting on this visitation? And what's so important about it? We'll see. The thing is, this boy Bobo was put on a plane back to China. See, he and Lexi have a friendship that stretches almost seven thousand miles, because they both met in the same orphanage back in China. So, Bobo and Ai Yi, say, "Say, you're how old? Six. Six. Ah, you're now wearing what color of clothes? Red. Red. Melissa Speakman, who you will hear from later. Provided us this audio of Bobo in the orphanage in China. Lexi, who came from the same place, was adopted by Jill Terborg a few years ago. Jill is a single parent who lives in Wheatfield in the southeast part of the region, and works as a nurse in Crown Point. Jill was not able to get back to us before this episode went live.、Uh, you've got this this mother from Wheatfield who adopted her two oldest daughters,、uh, Lexi and Ella, from China,、uh, beginning back in 2009.、Uh, so she's gone through this process of、uh, international adoption twice. And when she adopted Lexi, who I now I believe is eight years old,、uh, took her away from an orphanage where she was best friends with this little boy named Bobo. So. Jill found a solution to help Lexi. Yeah, the families from the U.S. can apply to and bring children over from these orphanages、uh, to host them, get to know them,、uh, put their stories out there on social media and potentially through the local press、uh, to get people interested in potentially being forever homes for these children. During his visit, this is what Mark noticed: active, running around the house,、uh, very mechanically inclined. He was taking apart and putting together toys. Had the screwdriver out. Um, was was doing all kinds of of stuff uh, that uh, any kid of eight or nine years old would be interested in doing.、Um, he was communicating with the family through a computer translator, and、um, little guy had all of his Christmas presents that he'd been given. 
Uh, he was, of course, having fun with those. It's really kind of surreal for him, I'm sure, because he'd never celebrated a Christmas before. I, I don't think he really even understood what Christmas presents were. He knew he had some cool stuff to start playing with, um, but this isn't something that he really had experienced in the orphanage back in China. So trying to explain these things, I'm sure some things get got lost in translation. And Bobo, simply put, may be in for an interesting series of events. You might ask how Bobo's story gained enough popularity that we're even talking about it here. Well, back in January this year, Times reporter Mark Chase began telling the story of Bobo and the Taborg family. You know, the thing that really makes this story play are the, I think, the heartstring circumstances involved here. There may not have been a reporter better suited to this project. Mark, you see, is an adoptive father. Uh, All four of my children uh, share some form of adoption in common. Uh, My twin 13-year-old boys are... Uh, my sons from a previous marriage, uh, their mother passed away. Uh, my wife, uh, my second wife, uh, adopted the boys as her own. Uh, so we went through that process first, and we knew we wanted to grow our family further. Uh, we chose adoption as the means to do that. Mark is the opinion editor at The Times. But a while back, he started writing about the adoptive process that he's been through in the past few years and we ended up adopting uh, a little girl. We were actually there for the birth. We were in the delivery room. Um, so Isabella is now four years old, um, but when she was two, uh, going on three, uh, we got sort of a surprise call from our attorneys saying that the same birth mom was pregnant again and wanted to start a new adoption plan and had chosen us again uh, to, to do that and wanted to know if we were interested. And, uh, we kind of looked at each other dumbfounded for a little while and then, then said, yes, absolutely. We obviously feel a very strong connection to the topic of adoption. Mark and his wife have welcomed two children from Indianapolis into their home. And though the process has been pretty smooth for him, the story behind it is both heartwarming and tragic. You know, we would have supported someday her meeting her birth mom. We wouldn't have had a, a problem with that. Uh, since then, the birth mom has, has passed away. So, you know, that's the one thing that I kind of, you know, I, I, I feel for my children someday because they're not going to be able to, to answer the question they want to by actually meeting the person. She's no longer here. She, uh, she died in a motorcycle accident down in Indianapolis. Yeah, we... Uh, Just talking to Mark and hearing the story of his family, full of its extreme highs and lows, you begin to understand that adoption is far from simple, but that doesn't mean it's not 100% worth it. The greatest lesson that I... I feel or that I've experienced to date is is just the notion that there is really absolutely no difference from a parent's perspective, from a capacity to love or to, to feel and know that they're yours. There's no difference between doing it through adoption or doing it through the more conventional means of having children. I know that a lot of people, when they just see their picture, they just know, oh, this is my child. You know, I don't know what it is, but they just saw them, and and there was something about them. And when I looked at his picture, I just kept asking myself, could this be my son? This is Melissa Speakman, and she is Bobo's future mom. I just kept looking at him and wondering, and um, it wasn't what I had in mind. I just kept asking myself, is this... Is this what it's supposed to look like for our family? The intertwining pieces of this story are fascinating. 
Even though the Speakmans live in Ohio, Bobo's journey into their family started here in Northwest Indiana. So she said, uh, um, Jill is going to host Bobo. And so she was right about to leave my house one day. And she's like, oh, no, she's going to host him. And I'm so cute. Let me show you pictures. And she just kept showing me these pictures and had this very strange way of saying it. And she had no idea that we had started talking about it. And she, I, I just kind of looked at her and said, what, do you want us to adopt him? And that's what happened. The Speakmans, a military family, Rick Speakman uh, serves in the Air Force, uh, already had three girls, but they had begun to throw around the question of adopting. Then the Terborg family came into the picture. And shortly after that, Melissa found herself having written and about to send an email confirming their desire to be Bobo's forever family. Um, Because I told my husband, I said, I truly believe that if we send this email to Jill, that he will be our son. And he said, okay, and he reached over my shoulder and he hit Ben. Mark and the Terborgs and the Speakmans have all experienced the growing pains and the extraordinary joys of adoption in the Midwest. It's as beautiful as it is life-changing and inspiring. Just look at how the Terborgs inspired the Speakmans and think about the ripple effect that Bobo's new life will have. Already, Mark's reporting has inspired and encouraged many people here in Northwest Indiana. But we wanted to know just a little bit more about our state's stance on adoption. In the only vice presidential debate here in 2016, uh, Indiana Governor Mike Pence made this small footnote of a comment. I'm also very pleased the fact we're well on our way in Indiana to becoming the most pro-adoption state. We wanted a little clarity on Pence's claim, so we called someone who could give some perspective on the Indiana adoption status quo. Steve, K-I-R-S-H. And uh, yeah, I practice with my brother, Joel, and my son, Grant. We, we handle adoptions throughout the state of Indiana, including interstate adoptions. Kirsch, an attorney who's received an award from Congress for his work on adoption in Indiana, says that the reason Indiana is, in fact, very adoption-friendly is because of, of all things, political consensus. The reason Indiana is adoption-friendly is that our General Assembly, since the early 1990s in a bipartisan way has enacted legislation that makes our laws straightforward in terms of what's required in in an adoption. Not only that, Kirsch says, but other states have begun to emulate our example, making interstate adoption more achievable for the average family. But what about international adoptions? What about cases like the ones the Chaborgs have already gone through and which the Speakmans are on the brink of completing? There are two, two good reasons to adopt from another country, to rescue a child and also because it's, there are a relatively larger supply of children. Kirsch also noted that there's a fear in Indiana itself about the adopting process. He says that people hear horror stories about kids being taken back and shy away from their state's foster care system and the adoption needs inherent therein. But but the situation is is honestly different for everyone. So Mark stayed in his state to adopt, and the Traborgs and the Speakmans felt called to go overseas with their adoption. Regardless, Indiana is a national leader when it comes to a smooth and welcoming process in building a family through adoption. And that's something we can be proud of. I asked Melissa how her three daughters are reacting to all the buzz around their home about Bobo's arrival. The way she tells it, they are nothing less than elated. Their parents have had a pretty serious conversation with them trying to help them understand 
why they're getting a new brother. I guess we said, do you know anybody who's an orphan? And they said, well, yeah, grandma's, grandma's friend had, had someone who was an orphan. And then uh, actually one of their best friends when we lived in Florida um, was a foster child that my friend adopted. Actually, just the other day, um, we have we give them allowances and they have three jars. They have a saving jar and a giving jar and a spending jar. And, and so they, they had quite a bit of money in there that they had uh, saved in their gift jar, and they all decided that they wanted to give it to um, to go to Bobo's adoption costs. And so they all they all gave their money to that. And so they had over $100 together that they had saved up in their giving jar. That excitement is not without its fair share of concerns, of course. Melissa wonders how Bobo will adjust to a new life outside of the orphanage, a new family, a whole new environment. And in a way, this is a story that in, in many ways hasn't even started yet. But look at all the many lives it's already touched. As time passes, Jill, who adopted Bobo's friend Lexi, is making preparations for a third adoption. She's seen the magic of, of what it's like, uh, both transformative for herself and these, these young children who suddenly have uh, great opportunities beyond anything they'd have within the walls of a Chinese orphanage. Uh, so, you know, she was touched by that, and she decided to try to help uh, other children uh, find their homes as well. Uh, they had such good luck with it the first time around that she decided to uh, to try it again, uh, this time with a, a little girl that she didn't know, that her children didn't know at all. Uh, and they brought uh, Yun Li in, in over the summer uh, through the same adoption agency. I believe it's called Living Hope out of Pennsylvania. And uh, this little girl just sort of captured their hearts in the time she was here. And now they've decided, Jill Turberg has decided to grow her family by adopting Yun Lian, and she's, she's pre-approved to do so. A special thing about this reporting experience is Mark has noticed just how much his readers get attached to these characters. Uh, readers even helped fund some of the, the adoption costs in Bobo's case. Sure, I mean, yeah, we've gotten a lot of those types of things, uh, not just uh, from readers locally, uh, who appreciate hearing about stories like this, uh, you know, because they are the human stories that sort of to pull on your heartstrings a little bit, and they do show that there's uh, uh, some humanity left in, in a world where the news is obviously often characterized by things that are less positive. Um, we've also gotten a lot of thanks from the, the adoption agency in Pennsylvania that works so hard uh, to make matches uh, of these children with prospective families. Uh, so, that, you know, the, the outpouring has been very good on all fronts. So why is it that we get so attached to the people in stories like Mark's? It's because it's the connections. It's our ability to sympathize and sometimes even empathize with the lives captured in front of us. It's the human condition documented. And the newspaper is such a useful vehicle to do just that. Bobo is one child in the most populated country on this planet, a place where there's over half a million orphans like him. Bobo, his friend Lexi, her sister Ella, and their future sister Yun Lian are the people that embody their homeland, transporting their stories to our neighborhoods here in Northwest Indiana and sharing with us the human desire to find our home. It puts a human face on a very real human issue and a human need. Uh, if you think about some of the biggest social problems that locally we have, that as a state and a nation we have, and that internationally we have, it's about the future of children and whether or not they have a fair shot at succeeding in life and in uh, having human contact and, and experiencing you know, the love and bonds of a family. And 
when there's a need out there, there's always a need to tell these stories, to, to put the human face on there so that people uh, who have a mind to will do something about it. Byline is a production of The Times of Northwest Indiana. You can find all of our episodes as well as the latest ones that come out each Monday at nwi.com slash podcasts. If you're on social media, you can find Byline on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Type in NWI Byline in the search bar and we'll appear. If you have a media player and would like to download our latest episodes, they're available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just be sure to rate us and leave us a review because it really helps. We'd also like to hear from you, whether it's uh, constructive comments or feedback or suggestions for topics you'd like us to research. And you could let us know any of those things by dropping us an email at nwibyline at gmail.com. Reporting for this episode came from Mark Chase, as well as Andrew Jones, and myself, Kale Wilk. If you'd like to read any of Mark's columns, they're all available on nwitimes.com. Mark will be staying abreast of any developments with Bobo, so you can also follow him on social media for all the latest. We'd like to thank Melissa Speakman for her comments and Steve Kirsch for the information he provided. Also, we'd like to thank Summer Moore, who, aside from being the Times' digital and audience engagement editor, is the show's creator. As always, props to her, our alpha wolf, for her guidance and tips in the reporting and production processes of our episodes. I'm Andrew Jones. I'm K.O. Wilk, and from both of us here in Northwest Indiana, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.